Hey guys, this is Ronnie. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash thegreatestpod, and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts, or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then, of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. Reboot It! Welcome, mateys. I'm Ron Swallow, and welcome to Reboot Rewind, the official after show for Reboot It. Today, we have the whole crew here talking about our reboot of Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean? Ah! I don't know. Escape <laughs> from the Pirate Island. Give it up for Producer Bill. What is going on? What is happening? <laughs> Producer Bill, <laughs> Billy Business. I'm really glad I hauled ass to make it to this one, guys. <laughs> and Ed Greer. I hey, I, <laughs> I think it was wonderful, Ron. Don't let these jerks. I just uh, want to point out, the last time Ron cosplayed, we ended up doing the Matrix episode. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not feeling optimistic. Bad track record for Ron's cosplays <laughs> on these shows. Look, man, my, my Red Fair gear was sitting around, and I was like, I got to do this. Plus, you know, now the ladies get to see the sweet chest hair. Oh, yeah. It's really coming in. Was it great for it. you guys? I'm taking my shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> You know how good this uh, this video would do if you did that, Ed? Or Bill? <laughs> Bill or Ed? Just everybody getting it. Dude, no, we, we, we would definitely get a different sort of uh, car wreck viewership if I took my shirt off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'd be demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, look at them boobs! We gotta like, get this off the TV! Hey, this isn't OnlyFans. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> silver well, dollars jesus <laughs> well guys let's talk about how this one came about what made us think we could do this you know to to my memory this may be one of the quickest i think it was like we had between ourselves been obligated to a certain amount of episodes and i think we just miscounted we got towards like the the home stretch we're like oh i think we need to do one more and it was either me or Bill who threw out like four things. It was like, oh yeah, pirate sounds fine. Let's do that. Like it was maybe a three second conversation and it was over. I think this one was on your list. And if I remember correctly, we knew we were going to do the fan choice episode, which turned out to be Jurassic Park. And we knew we were going to cap off the season with Justice League. And yeah, we just had a hole in the schedule. We were like, what is going to be that third to last episode or second, whatever it is, second to last. And Boy, yeah, it was we super fill quick. that hole. <laughs> That's what we do here. We fill holes. Right. It's a completion. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, uh, just so for Billy. my part on, on that, that isn't oh. lewd or lascivious. Um, I think that... It was one of the, obviously, I'm always reticent, and I'm the B.A. Baracus of this jazz, and I, I guess I've bought into it on a certain level. But at the same time, it's one of these classic ones. We didn't have enough uh, super, like, I think me and Bill were so impressed with the screenplay that we were the ones who thought it might be daunting, where everybody else is like, hey, this is just a fun time. We're just going to redo a fun movie that's sort of a dead franchise. Let's do it. But me and Bill, I think, were just like, this screenplay is literally perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Black Pearl? 
Yeah. Is that the one you're? Yeah, yeah I know. But... I know. I know, Bill. You've been a big fan of the creative team of of pirates. Like they always manage to slip in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I think love... it was just like it's fine. It's a franchise that's tired. That's kind of what we do. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, those are Ted reason... Elliott and and uh, Terry Rossio. Okay, you, put some respect on their name. They made Thank your you. favorite uh, Zorro. The reason why you love Zorro so much ain't Martin Campbell's direction. It's Ted Elliott and Terry Wrong, Rossio. Sir. The reason I love Zorro was because of that <laughs> Family Channel show in the early nineties. <laughs> You know, some respect on that, right? (laughs) The one where he had a motorcycle named Johnny or something. Listen, the only reason I I like to bring those guys up is because I feel like the writers are often sidelined for good reason when you're talking about blockbuster films. Like most of these things end up getting rewritten in production and then re-rewritten in editing anyway. But those are guys that just genuine, they're the they're literally the non-bizarro universe of Kurtzman and Orsi, right? Like they're just a power team that can get stuff made, but they craft unbelievably tight, good screenplays for what they're doing. And like, I don't know, it's it's just a template that uh, very few other writers and creative teams have been able to match. They're like, um, who was the guy that like wrote Batman Begins, but everybody hates him? Goyer. Yes, they're the anti-David Goyer. Goyer. Like they, in the 90s, those dudes essentially had the power of David Goyer where it's like attach them to a billion dollar franchise and they're just going to do it. But nobody hated them because they were good. The thing too (laughs) is, I I know they're not maybe the most beloved sequels, but the, the special features of Dead Man's Chest especially, if you have it just in your basement, just lodged under, you know, a bunch of old, you know, boxes and stuff, pull it out because the special features on that one, watching them collaborate with Gore Verbensky, they're passionate guys. Like, say what you want about those stories, but what you cannot say is that they just phoned it in to cash a paycheck. Like, they are really fighting for their for their creative kind of, like, you know, for the narrative and for the story and, and, and really for the craft, like the, the special features are kind of better than a lot of those sequels ended up being. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence that they really dropped off once that team left. And then you got like stranger tides and all those. No, not a coincidence at all. And all I'll say <laughs> is like, look, if you, if you out there like what we do on this show, uh, you are doing yourself a disservice if you aren't familiar with those two guys. So that's all. Cool. Well, uh, let me ask you this then, uh, going off script, you guys, <laughs> do you think our version matches up to their version? I think it's, I, a, no. I think, no, 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 not, not, I had to think about it. I, all I'll say is I think we did a different kind of movie and, uh, I think, if our if if ours was made with fidelity, it could stand it could stand up to it. It's funny that you say that, Bill, because when I walked out of doing this episode, I would have said the same thing. But then editing this episode and watching it multiple times at that point, like I feel like this is probably the second best pirates movie in that franchise. Mm-hmm. But ours definitely feels maybe a little too safe. Like I I at the end of the day, like I think, you know, I came in and I had some crazy night at the museum-esque idea and not that I was married to it, but I think I wanted to do a big swing. I wanted to like redefine, like, let's just go for it. And we ended up doing that in the next one with Jurassic Park. And I was kind of hoping we'd bring that energy to this one. So I think that if <laughs> ours really does feel, especially with the John Peters edition, like it just feels like a really good entry into that franchise. So if that's the case, I say it's still second to curse the black pearl. All right. Fair enough. That's fair. Um, and uh, Billy came in with some pretty strong, but you mentioned that, uh, do you think that affected things? Cause I felt like you didn't like, like you had a strong idea, but then you didn't like obsess over it. No, I, a, a lot of times when I come in with like anything like that, it's just a conversation. It's just a thought starter. It's just like, I, that's me telling you guys, like my head is somewhere else. Like let's do some big swings. And, you know, I think if you were to put a greatest hits compilation together of, of reboot it, I, I don't think pirates makes the cut, 
I also think if you did like the five swings and misses of reboot it, this also doesn't make that cut. This is a perfectly serviceable three out of five rebooted episode <laughs> that I kind of wish we had maybe in hindsight played it as safe. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like listening to it. It's like, yeah, this is probably what they would do. And I always wanted like, I don't know. I just felt like with transformers and pirates, those are franchises. Like they went to the well so many times that I think we went to the well and, and were much more fruitful with what we got out of it. But I was like, let's, let's do something different in hindsight. Well, I mean, I, I just want to speak to that, though. Um, part of me goes, I do reject that it was safe because, A, Idris Elba as a lead ain't exactly setting the world on fire these days. B, we straight up <laughs> got Idris. slavery up in this mug. C, uh, it's very much, uh, people talk all the time about, like, how there's never any, like, classical action disney behind them type of machinery like women in film like uh, people always go back to like sarah connor and ripley and those are like 30 years ago as they're examples of the strong female lead but who's an iconic like black guy lead and don't say black panther because you'd be suffering from uh recency bias i think you know what i'm saying like who, you're missing my on point that? You're, no I'm, I'm not i'm not saying that you're against that part of it no, not at no, all but I, I i'm just saying at all like the reason I say safe is only because we still kept one toe in the water of what had come before. It's it it evolved from that and ultimately being, you know, forced to put Johnny Depp somewhere in it, like just reinforce this idea that like it is cut from the same cloth ultimately. Like I'm saying, mm. like, look, just for me personally, like pie in the sky, space pirates or pirates of the future or let's not even do pirates let's do like somalian pirates of the caribbean i don't I've something got, i've got the best idea pirate nato sure why not <laughs> just, just a bunch of different. but that's what i'm saying like <laughs> i i still think our pitch is like the one of the best versions of what had already existed so i was just like personally was like man maybe a, a completely different like let's not even try to do anything close to that but that's just not what we ended up with yeah, I, just to jump on that real quick, you know, I, I tried to have that conversation early in the episode talking about tone and how, like, essentially that first Pirates movie is the perfect version of what it was trying to be, right? And so I think I was trying to steer us into, let's try to figure out how to be something else. And we ended up coming back into the lane of the first Pirates movie. And I totally agree with you. I think the subject matter that we were, were able to infuse into that formula is 100% fresh and different and pretty daring, especially in a Disney franchise. But I also hear what Billy say, like we weren't doing time pirates. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like pirates from the year 3600 go back to the mm -hmm. year 1000 and fight some Mayans or something like, you know what I mean? I, it just was like, I wanted to play outside of the box. And I feel like we just ended up making like a really good box, <laughs> you know, yeah. like but any you know idea what? that would have been so left field yeah. would have been at least interesting. No, yeah. I, I, I got to say, though, that that's where it comes back to the eternal push and pull of reboot it, though. You know what I mean? Because like. I'm telling you, everything's easy to reboot if you could just change it all. Everything is. We could have, you know what I'm saying? People talking about on our Knight Rider episode, we could have made it an AI that was boarded on the guy's body, like upgrade. Well, hell, if you could do all that, well, th 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 then the yeah, bio upgrade is. the Knight Rider episode. Okay? Whatever. The, the bio <laughs> upgrade. The, the bio upgrade is Jack Sparrow now. What are we talking about? You know what I mean? That, that to me, is like what, what we did with Jurassic Park to me is the spirit of what would make these dinosaurs fresh. And I, and I recall myself being the first one to say, put it in the future, which is crazy and stupid, but we made it come around because we, we, we justified why it was in the future and why it was still Jurassic Park, even though it was in the future. And I just feel like the legwork that we'd have to do on this to be like, okay, we don't have Jack Sparrow, it's about pirates, but they're ice pirates or whatever that, you know what I mean? I just feel like all that legwork when we could have just, did what we did, which make a movie that I think, A, as long as it came out on Netflix, we could hide the numbers, would make money, <laughs> and, <laughs> and B, you know what I mean, would fulfill at least the basic mandate of pirates, water, ships, cannons, swords. You know what I mean? I love your idea of ice pirates, 
Um, when I was a kid, my sister uh, forced me and my family to go to the Ice Pirates capades. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was wonderful. I got to tell you, it warmed my heart. So we definitely, next time we do Pirates of the Car Car Caribbean, Caribbean, have we decided which one is correct? Anyone? It's either. Whichever your heart okay. desires. Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, <laughs> Just not that. Oh, okay. That's the only wrong answer. But no, no, but if I could just finish up my point, all I'm saying no, is there is a majesty to doing your damn job. And I'm not trying to direct that at you or be rude or anything, Billy, or anybody. But the bottom line is when people hire you to make pirates, they're probably not going to hire you to make whatever the hell you want. They're going to hire you to make something that they can sell as what they've been selling. And I think we put the, a new engine in it. We gave it a new body. But yes, you're right. It was still a car. And at the end of the day, it's a car company. So I get what you're saying. But like, uh, yeah, shit, I wish I could have changed the G.I. Joe's into spacemen or something or superheroes. But the only really rebuttal the would just be if I were to walk into a boardroom with something completely zany, like all the animatronics in Pirates of the Caribbean come to life and they have to figure out how to be pirates in the real world. If that was my pitch. And they were like, that has nothing to do with the pirates that we've made. I would say, well, you made five of them, and I can show you the diminishing returns. You went to that well a lot of times. There's nothing left there. So let's completely flip it on its head. And I think with pirates, you could do it in a way like the Lego movie, where you went into that movie, and you're like, oh, it's going to be like Toy Story. And you just get ripped apart when you realize, oh, this is a story about a father and a son and it completely flipped itself on its head. That's the kind of energy I wanted to bring into Pirates of the Caribbean because Pirates of the Caribbean is just so tired. And I think what we ended up with was like, oh, that's really cool. I would actually like, I think that would have maybe had they have done our movie instead of on Stranger Tides, we probably could have turned the tide on that franchise and maybe well, you yeah, know, kept the ship from sinking. But that, that that's all I'm trying to say is that the those movies, the diminishing returns are because they got faker and dumber as it went along. They got farther and farther away from real life politics. This chick is around 57,000 pirates just walking around. Hey, what's up, man? Ain't nothing gonna happen to me. It's it's magical pirate land. It's just like get out of here in our world one of the main things is our, our character being like a 15 16 year old girl and having to take care of other kids they're in a unique horrific danger we don't really have to go into or in this whole situation and we find a way for them to get out of it and thrive and survive and like just the realism angle that's all i'm saying maybe i'm too in love with it but the real the realistic politics of what those times were and still making a good action adventure story out of that without obfuscating anything without having our pirate guy walk up to the president and smack him in the face you know what i mean with all this fake wild wild westery i just feel like that was an accomplishment is all i'm saying I'll I'll co-sign that Ed. I mean, I, I do I like it also. Although somewhere in what Billy was just saying was essentially the itchy and scratchy land version of the Simpsons with pirates where all the animatronics go murderous. <laughs> now my head is just spinning with the idea of essentially crossing over Pirates of the Caribbean and Terminator and how glorious that could be. So, <laughs> but see, like, that's the conversation that I just lament that we didn't have. And maybe it wouldn't have even been appropriate or fruitful, but it's like maybe just after X amount of episodes of our show, it's like, oh, that would have just been a fun detour if anything like just yeah. to get the wheels cranking when we go no, bonkers yeah. it could be very fun yeah <laughs> so, and, and also and like i said the only and the last thing i'll say about it is it just seems like the world of the bonkers meaningless protagonist is one that we don't truck in often and when we do it's some of the worst things that we do and i just think for the one of the first times for in a while our protagonist was like super important to how everything was going down and blah, blah, and really well-constructed, maybe to the detriment of the other characters. We actually did so much work on the actual protagonist. So like that, that's it. But I, I do get what you're saying in regards to Zany. And I, like I said, the Z that Zany wave held back just one week, came to fruition in the Jurassic okay. episode okay. in a big way. And everybody went with the Zany and we were all Zany. Like I said, I, I was, I was OG Zany on that one. So like, I, I, I get what you're saying. I do get what okay. you're saying. Well, the next, whatever is we decide the next reboot it is, whatever one we're going to do first, uh, I guess it would be season four, whatever it is we decide to do, I'm going to bring the stupidest idea you guys have ever heard. 
that's counting on it. Plan now. It's going to be zany though. <laughs> I'm just, I was just going to point out stupid and zany are not synonyms. Oh, no. I think By the way, can I, I think I, the difference, and I know you were making a bit, but I think, I'm joking. I no, totally. But I just, for the audience, I, I want to be clear. Like the reason my mind went there specifically for Pirates of the Caribbean is what I just said, which is, you take a franchise that has just gone to the well so many times. I don't think you could take that approach to like Zorro, where the origin of the original Zorro just has never been properly told on film. That doesn't make sense to take a big, huge, weird left field swing there, where something like if we ever get around to Transformers, like we're going to have to think of something crazy because they have done every single possible iteration of that and that's how i was feeling about pirates mm -hmm. now we came to something that i really do like this pitch i just think you know again like i said like if it were me in a vacuum i think i probably would have come up with something really freaking crazy just to get away from everything else oh and and, and to, to yes and that when we do Transformers, I'm pitching that the whole movie takes place on the head of a pin and they're nano, they're nano medical bots inside of a body or something. I'm going Fine with me. I'll go, dude. Transformers <laughs> meets Magic School Bus. Are you kidding me? That sounds like the best pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> right. I'm just, I just made that up on the spot. But you know what I'm saying? Like just ridiculous. Miss Frazzle on a freaking Optimus Prime inside of my colon. What a colonoscopy that would be, <laughs> dude. Transformers is inner space. Book it, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to pitch something where a, a person just changes their behavior and their attitude and They are the transformer. It's <laughs> 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 psychological. It's <laughs> <laughs> the mistakes. Starring <laughs> Adam Driver and Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and Shailene Woodley. <laughs> Transformers 330 somethings change their lives. <laughs> <laughs> to put a hat on a hat, they all work at an electrical switching station oh, where they dear. work with Transformers. If we had pitched that as our Transformers, I would probably retire from the show. I'd be like, dude, we, we don't get dude, better than it's that. It's like office space at a Transformer factory. <laughs> awesome. And that's our movie, Transformers. Oh, More, than More than meets the eye. More than meets the eye. Morgan meets a guy. Transformers. <laughs> Well, with that, yeah, let's get funny. to this pitch. Uh, we start with a ship being ransacked by a villain and his crew. The villain take a golden sword and a young woman hostage, leaving the ship to sink with a cargo hold full of slaves. One of them, Black Caesar, barely escapes but can't save anyone else. He watches the villain sail away with his daughter and the sword. Flash forward to a rich family on the high seas sailing a merchant ship headed to New Orleans. We intro the kids what they are good at, what their personalities are, etc. They are obsessed with pirates, romanticizing their adventures and their supposed pirate code. The ship is overtaken in the middle of the night by pirates. The children are hidden as their parents are nixed off the screen in true Disney fashion. The kids see a quirky pirate take the box of important papers, including land deeds and their father's will. The pirates sell off to Pirate Island. The, kid, the kids come out and they are stranded on a ship with no sailing skills. When the kids wash up on Black Caesar's personal treasure island, they try to get him to help them. He has his own agenda and leaves them on their own. But when he sees pirates heading to the island, he can't leave the children to that fate. Some of his, some of his crew are killed or injured saving the kids, so now it's almost necessary that he makes them into sailors. He pounds them into that pirate he pounds them into them that the pirate code is stupid, make believe, as we are the tales uh, of special wait, sorry, I'm reading weird. He pounds into them that the pirate code is stupid make-believe, as are the tales of special pirate magic. They head to Pirate Island. The kids want their birthright so that they can go home. Black Caesar is going because the pirate that killed Black Caesar's people stole his daughter, and the Golden Sword is now the king of Pirate Island. Some say his fortunes changed the night he got that golden cutlass, that its magic has made the him unbeatable in combat. Black Caesar hatches a plan to use the kids to help him get the villain. The kids try to scam and Ocean's Eleven their way into the vault that holds the kids' birthright. Meanwhile, Black Caesar tries to take out the villainous king of Pirate Island, but is soundly defeated by the villain and the magic of his golden sword. Black Caesar is beaten, beaten up and thrown in jail. The kids almost experience the same fate, but are helped out by Angela Bassett. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
specifically, and it's not even it's not even a character played by Angela Bassett. It's actually just Angela Bassett. There's the left field turn I was waiting for. Hello, children. It is me, Golden Globe winning actress Angela Bassett. <laughs> I, am here to oh, you. I, I also snuck into the Disneyland after dark, and I am lost. I was looking for Black Panther Land. <laughs> And then well, Shirley Sassy shows up. She's like, "This pirates doing? I don't have the range for these pirates. These pirates don't have the range. That's awesome. She tries to get them off the island, but they refuse, saying they aren't going to leave Black Caesar behind. Pirates may not have a code, but these kids do. The kids and Angelina Bass, Angela Bassett, and maybe even Rihanna, playing the daughter that Hugh Jackman stole from Black Caesar in the first scene, help Black Caesar escape. Maybe Rihanna gives them a key piece of knowledge that helps them storm the impregnable pirate castle or whatever. But bottom line, they confront Hugh Jackman and his minions. In the scrum, Black Caesar gets hold of the Gordon's golden sword and uses his skills and its magic to slay the king of Pirate Island. The kids get their birthright back, but choose not to go back to the New Orleans because they would essentially make them plantation owners. They've learned enough to reject that life. So the kids, Black Caesar, and his daughter sell east towards adventure vowing to be the one crew that truly lives by the pirate code. Cast, Black Caesar, played by Idris Elba. The villain was Hugh Jackman, or Brad Pitt, but I think we lean towards Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. uh, second in command bad guy, Andy Serkis. Always perfect for some kind of crazy pirate guy. I think Andy Serkis would be awesome. Uh, Black Caesar's long-lost daughter, Rihanna or Zendaya. Mary, oldest kid carrier, paid by Sophia Lillis. Love interest that lives on Pirate Island, Angela Bassett. Uh, <laughs> directed by anybody but Gore Verbinski. <laughs> uh, literally, we talked about 10 different directors for this, from the guy who did Creed 2 to Matthew Vaughn to Remy Weeks of His House on Netflix. Bill liked uh, Ben Zeeland of Beasts of the Southern Wilds, which is a dreamy, well-shot movie starring a kid surrounded by water. So maybe he was right. Uh, it sounds like we kind of just went back and forth on a bunch of different directors. So, what, how I do thought you we had dropped all the Will stuff. I guess not. Well, no, the, no, no. My, I, my only hang up deed, ever... the land deed stuff about them going back or whatever. I didn't. I don't think we dropped that. I think we just stopped talking about it. I mean, the yeah. only thing I ever said was like, "Well, why didn't they just forge new papers? It's not that hard." Like I, that's why I was always pushing for like. I, like the sword or, or some item that's like tangible and rep, you know, like look, just looks good on screen. looks like this pitch almost combined both ideas, which I guess is fine. It's just like well, fighting well, no, over land. Well, I just, we, we just watched the, I just watched the episode and basically what it was, was the kids had an agenda, which was something in the vault, something inside of a golden box of treasure that was meaningful to them, but not necessarily actual treasure. Whereas black Caesar on his ship that got felled in the, sometime in the past that's where the golden sword got taken from the pirates don't come onto the kids ship to take a golden sword that the kids what the kids gonna do with the golden sword you know the, I, the, I don't know what the golden sword does it's magic did you hear the, the whole thing about the whole thing about the papers was kind of what tied in the the slavery backstory of black caesar where essentially those kids were all the kids of would-be plantation owners and I think what we said is it's not necessarily land deeds, but it's like something specifically from the king of France that shows that they are aristocrats and so they can take their rightful land. You know, it's it's just yeah. something like that. Yeah, and it also like kind of, uh, I think one of the big things that we wanted in that was for it to come across as like maybe a thing that was bad that they were going to do, you know, like because there was going to be a plantation basically involved. And I think that's very important in that because uh, these kids are, learning that being good people is really more important than you know having power or having any of that stuff but just I even beyond all that emotionality the whole point of like a lot of times when heroes have this goal for the whole movie and then they realize they don't even want that that's like interesting because they've changed enough over the course of the story to not want what they originally wanted these are children they want to go home under whatever circumstances i want to go home in the end, they're sailing off with Idris Elba to, to all these adventures. They've fundamentally changed due to the adventure. Yeah, so I, that, think you know. I think that's a big deal. I've been watching uh, Shit's Creek, um, and 
I, I started off hating the show because I hated the characters so very much. And they're, they're, it just irritated me so much to watch the first like season, I guess. But we're at the very end. And uh, I won't give anything specific away just in case anybody hasn't watched it. But like in the end, they realized that what they wanted wasn't really what they wanted for, for almost all of them. They all make these different decisions that were great for each character. And they weren't what you expected that decision to be. To be, and I think that's a, a, a an important thing to do for any character when you have a a, a good arc for them. Just uh, just my opinion there. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of making characters uh, genuinely unlikable in the first act because that get, at least gives them somewhere to go, and so giving them a giving them literally a goal that is gross. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a fine thing to do because you're essentially challenging them. You know, the the whole point of the kids is that they're entitled and so you're literally challenging them to recognize how gross their entitlement is and you do so I mean that's one of the ways of taking advantage of making it a period piece is that something we understand today with a modern perspective to be unequivocally gross you're sort of challenging them to rise to the occasion and adopt that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to uh, a couple of questions and fan comments uh, from you, the rebooted community. Uh, first up, we had Bushido Black. Uh, if Disney ever decided to go with this fantastic pitch, they could pull some inspiration from a real-life pirate republic called Nassau. That place had call had a lot of famous pirates. Uh, did I say that wrong? Nassau. 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 Oh, yeah, pirate. like the song. Uh that place had a lot of famous pirates. You could get some cameos from Calico oh, Jack and Bonnie, Charles Vane, Henry Avery, etc. Brad Pitt, Hugh Jackman's character, could also be a fictionalized version of Ned Lowe, a ruthless and psychotic pirate. What do you guys think? Uh, sure. I I I know nothing about pirate lore. I've learned through this that a lot of you guys have some intense pirate knowledge that. Uh, I do not share. So well, yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a like lot. A yeah, I wouldn't say a lot. I would say me and that guy. But I would. I, I would. <laughs> sure, say, that all sounds like a track. <laughs> I've heard but, Nassau before. <laughs> but I mean, I think uh, I think it's just Nassau, like like in Florida, like like Nassau. But anyway, I'm um, sure it's I a think, city in the Bahamas is it not? Nassau is like still. Yeah, a city in the but I think there's. Yeah, but I think I only that, know the song "Funkin' Nassau." <laughs> <laughs> we, might have to we, we might have to we're bleep that. Demonetize. I know we're gonna have to bleep that. We're gonna have to bleep that for like four reasons. I'm but, not uh, that good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what, what I'm saying is, uh, basically, uh, Calico Jack was a dude who was no. He hang, he hung out with Anne Bonnie, and and Bonnie and some other lady were like two of the people on his crew when nobody had women on their crew, and like I think the other lady dressed as a man, and Anne Bonnie just was openly a woman. And I think there would be, there could be some some chance to do something with that. And Calico Jack, I don't know if he was a super cruel guy like Ned Lowe, but Calico Jack is just a great name. <laughs> I love that pull of Calico Jack. I, I, the thing is, for me, it sounds weird because our protagonist is based off of a, a real pirate, but I'm always wary of getting too far into the like historical fiction. And I always point to the weirdest movie I've ever sat through that I just felt dirty and gross the whole time was Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> I was just like, this is, mm. I don't like this. Like, I, I get to a certain point, especially if it's like maybe so a figure in history that we don't know much about and we're not necessarily <laughs> rewriting the rules, but it's like Abraham Lincoln's son like really died. And I pretty sure it was not from a vampire bite. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm fairly confident. I wasn't there, <laughs> but I'm fairly confident. So it's like anytime <laughs> that you take someone's real story and make it a little too fantastical or or add maybe a little too much flair, like 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a little strange, which I get like we kind of did that with our protagonist, but I don't, I, I think we still colored somewhat within the lines. I don't know. You tell me, you know, the, the character better than I do. Well, I don't, I don't think he fought anybody for a golden sword. On no, he didn't, Island. he didn't, but he also <laughs> did not get bit by a vampire. So I don't right. think we crossed the line. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd what, actually what like said. to point out it wasn't a vampire. It was a werewolf. He got bit by a werewolf. What, dude, that movie was so bad. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Abraham Lincoln would... Vampire. Oh Hunter. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's literally what it's called. Yeah. Blood, Blood yeah. Pirates. Another good variation on pirates that we could have gone with, and we just Dude, oh my God. come on. It was right <laughs> there. That's Empire for our re- pirates. That's for our reboot of Blade is Blood Pirates. Like, hey, we got a we got a blood shipment in there. <laughs> would that still mateys. be Twilight though, or would that just be something <laughs> so different from Twilight if we had done it? <laughs> It's coming. The Twilight Rewind is coming. Is oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I don't busy know. that week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we can too. argue again. It's going to be uh, great. So let's do another uh, uh, fan mention. This is uh, just a nice thing that someone said about me. It's uh, D's Reviews. He said, damn, Ron, I got chills when you suggested the kids go back to save Caesar because it's part of their code. It was like the movie gelled right there. Somebody better, somebody better give you guys some jobs. I think you um, have to read that typing errors if you're Dusty Rhodes. It whacked back at the movie just jailed right there. I think that's oh, yeah. uh, maybe me... what they were. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like the, the movie just jailed right there. But you know, I don't know. Really like it. It like these, the... these reviews, if you can go ahead and just comment down here and let us know <laughs> if you were trying to do... Death Day Road, baby, and we just read it wrong. And I apologize. Yeah, Can, I I go on Can I go on record of saying that the Dusty Roads impressions is the greatest running bit in the reboot? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, when, especially when you whip them out on the on the high thieves. You whip them out on the high thieves with these pirates. You got no tides, high thieves, baby. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be bananas. Oh, this is great. Um, thank you, D. That was a nice moment, I think, as well. Um, I'm pretty great. Uh, I'm very attractive. Um, you did a good. You did a good job in the in the way of like translating, helping us to translate uh, Billy's more kid friendly idea to the dark world that I was pulling it into, and I guess uh, a lot of people were willing to go there. But you know what I mean, like. You were the bridge that kept us coming back to like emotional through line stuff. I think you even tried to put like a, some heirloom that the little that the kids would be like, "Well, that's Grandma's necklace, and now it's around the neck of that pirate or whatever." You know what I'm saying? You tried yeah. to bring us to the sort of Disney uh, um, ethos as far or, yeah. or pathos, I guess. It yeah. Would be. Did you hear that, Disney? Hire me <laughs> to make emotionality in, in your, <laughs> your movies. I'll do it. I've, I've got emotions. All right. Uh, let's, uh, go with the next commenter, Harley Ashley. Uh, this episode is a great example of when you guys all seem to get on the same page very early and build on a theme and branch out from there. Very cool where this ended up. Um, I gotta thank Billy for that. I think, um, Billy had some ideas, just like he said, he wanted to come in and do something different, but uh, he he gelled with what we all were coming up with and just uh, rolled with it. I think and, and I think everybody did a good job, but you know specifically, I think you did a great job, Billy. Again, I think it's just sometimes you just have to like you know you have this blank you know whiteboard like you have to write something on there to at least get it started, even if it's a bad idea. A lot of our best ideas come from like. Uh, I don't know about that, but I like that one little bit, you know, we can blow it up. So I think also too, just coming into this one, I I think it's really starting to show that like, I have such a resentment towards fans and fandoms of our age group. And I just absolutely disdain having to make anything for anyone that is 30 years or older. So, like, I definitely wanted to make something for kids because, honestly, I don't think 
30-year-old should be like, well, Pirates of the Caribbean should be this. It's like, well, you should be at H&R Block paying your taxes, and your kids <laughs> should be deciding what goes in to a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So I wanted to always bring, like, I'm not making movies for the fans of the stuff that it used to be. I want to make new fans, and that's kind of where I think I think with our pitch, it's just just different enough that uh, I, I think that you could attract a new audience to this. Yeah. And let me say that's, that's such an important thing too, because um, one of the best moments uh, in Endgame, I went and watched Endgame at the theater a couple of different times, but the first time I went, it was on opening night, places packed. Sitting in front of us are like four, maybe 18 year olds, possibly younger, very young kids. Um, and this kid, when Cap gets the hammer, jumps out of his seat and cheers like it's the coolest thing he's ever seen. And I realized that kid has literally grown up watching these movies. And that while these movies were good to us too, it was so cool to see something just touch a person and touch a kid in a way that you know that when that kid grows up, he's going to still feel that later on. He's going to remember that day where he jumped out of his seat when Cap holds the hammer uh, as a big thing. And it, and I think it is a great idea that we should think about that when we make things like, especially something like Pirates, where this is a thing that I think is more for kids. Disney, most of the stuff is is kind of for right. kids. The danger is, is making now everything for that 18 year old kid 20 years yeah. from now, where it's like, no, stop catering to one audience get to the next one and that's kind of how i feel like i i really feel and i don't mean to take us down like this tangent i apologize but like everything that is coming out in the last five years or so is just catering to to our age group it's just like buy it again buy it again buy it again and it's like what do you guys want we'll give it to you again it's like oh man like i i think that's maybe where my drive for like, let's take a left field big swing on on this thing came from was just like, I don't want to cater to people my age that are like, well, Pirates of the Caribbean should be this because this is what it was. It's like, well, you had yours, so move on because mm -hmm. now this is for someone else. Because I think <clears throat> that just comes from me being sick and tired of, of watching people argue about this crap on online all day. Yeah, hey, totally. good. Real quick, speaking of that, um, guys, Johnny Depp, what's your opinions? <laughs> we what already you, got who are, you, who are you, John Peters? What is happening? <laughs> we, we already got demonetized twice. Guys, I, I, was not, need, I think I was we need not... to all go around the horn and give really detailed opinions about Amber Heard <laughs> and Johnny Depp. I was believe? not pleased that that was the John Peter. I really was like, oh man, like now we just can't escape that other one. Like it's impossible. But but you know what? That John Peters was one of the most frustrating, probably because that's exactly what the mandate is going to be. And it's just like, ah, even in this like pretend fantasy world, I can't get away from this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but and see, and, but see, and you're keying on that point though, and I'm glad that you brought that up rather than I, because that is part of the kayfabe. We have to deal with like the reality of the whackness of executives, the reality that the 40-year-old people have the money and they're gonna take 15 people to the damn movies to go see something, or they're not. And and I think all obviously these days a lot of kids have their own money, but you don't, you understand what I'm saying? That's such a fallacy, though. I'm sorry, because I, I thought no, no, about no. that too. But that's a fallacy because it's like that's for children's movies. The thing I just said applies more to children's movies. I agree with that. All okay. I am all I am trying to say in this thing is, uh -huh. we did cater to a new audience because we don't get a bunch of frankly old time crackers having having consequenceless fun all over the place in this series in this new series of movies and right. the whole reason why i put that angela bassett lady in there was if there was somebody on pirate island that could be the queen of pirate island under actual equitable circumstances equitable in terms of piracy and she's been denied that that's one thing i want to do is to try to shore up the pitch a little bit if the, if we did have an actual aged woman character on the island, instead of Kira Knightley going through three whole movies of development to become a pirate queen, how about this 56-year-old black lady that's been ready to be the pirate queen since she was about 33 
and the events of this story make her be the pirate queen because and now all of a sudden her boyfriend black caesar leaves her on the island with the sword and she's unbeatable in the stupid magic world and she actually gets to be something that's a different audience for this movie I, it I isn't always white the children point, the, is the what point I'm saying. is if i have to live in this kayfabe world then the the weeks leading up to the release of our new pirates when when it's inevitably going to leak that Johnny Depp has some sort of cameo or footage is all the Vice articles about <laughs> how justice for Johnny or cancel this movie or whatever I I don't even know enough about what's going on with them like I don't know what the story it's, is because I just don't want to know anyway I but mean, it's honestly, just like it's all kind of being settled by them but you then it becomes opinion but they're settling it. I, I don't I don't I'm not interested. But the thing is, it's like that. Then then it just becomes like I guess that's the thing. It's like that John Peters just brought it so down to earth. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, I guess this is just kind of where we are. And I still think our movie is great, but it's just like it is saddled with the baggage of the past. And I think we did the best that we could with it. But it's like it is now clearly. Our movie, whether you like it or not, is clearly defined by the series that came before it. Fair enough. Um, that said, I, I love the. Sorry, Ron. I just want to no, say I, I love the reverse Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens, where it's like all the stories are false, all of them. I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, it's great. I love that it, it's basically uh, you know it's just like yeah, it's the Tim Burton big fish where at the end of that movie you find out, yeah, his stories were like true, but clearly exaggerated and not exactly what you thought it would be like. That's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, we would, we would just get, we would get crucified for having Johnny Depp anywhere near this movie. But the, I don't know. I'm curious to see what Disney actually does. Well, I mean, the one thing I, I, I have a big tradition of trying to poo poo the Peters is or put them in the appendices. Like, okay, there's a, after the, after the after credit scene, like when the ushers come in to get the popcorn and the sticky stuff off the ground, then we play this scene that has the job. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I do that all the time. And I was going to pitch at the time, this thing of like, a guy who kind of looks a lot like Jack Sparrow, like one of those billion lookalikes comes in, he swaggers in doing this little do and gets killed or eviscerated instantly by this hardcore world we're living in because you can't just be a fop and walk around and just <laughs> Mick Jack, hey baby, all the time in this world, you will get <laughs> you will get murdered. Oh my God, why didn't we do Austin Powers Pirate? That would have been an amazing pitch. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Everybody do I have Scurvy, baby? <laughs> oh my God, that would have been great. See, the pitches are just flowing like wine. But yeah, so I, yeah. As long so. as there's someone who pets a cat, I'm in. Yeah, why not? <laughs> cool. Uh, we had another comment from Zane uh, on the same kind of thing with Harley. Uh, probably one of my favorite things watching these sessions is when each come in with different ideas, try to merge them, and it feels way too forced, overlaid, overloaded, etc., with uh, disparate tones. But then you all are able to kind of suddenly scoop out a nice cohesive story uh, from that amalgamation. Around 4104 was when it hit with me for this episode. Um, I got to be honest with you. It's pretty late into it. Yeah, I was going to be honest with you. 4104? I don't know when that was. <laughs> I, I mean, just that's at least halfway through, I guess. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, nine times out of ten we get there. And then the the one you know, out of ten times, it's a Knight Rider. So I'm glad this was not that. Watch your mouth. A, a Knight Riding Matrix uh, of <laughs> True Blood. Uh, whatever. True Blood? <laughs> How dare you, man. I could actually make True Blood easier than I could make Twilight. You know, I know this is a I bad bet. episode, but I was just thinking, I was like, man, like our Justice League pitch is great. It is torture to get to it. It is a four yeah. and a half hour yeah. Lawrence of Arabia quest to get to it. <laughs> it makes it all the better, man. You got to just you gotta brave it. You got to brave it? the elements. <laughs> it's like that, that hot cocoa tastes so much sweeter because you've been out in that blizzard for so long. <laughs> Dude, no, I, think I died Bernard. on the side of Everest. No, no. You were about to die and a big old St. Bernard of good action scenes came up and gave his little barrel to you Dude. and you survived. <laughs> That is the closest we've ever gotten to full meltdown failure and made it back to tell the tale. I can't wait for that rewind. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I really do want people to like watch that episode. So maybe this is like a promo for the episode so they can get ready for the rewind. Because I want them to really look at it and look at what we actually did in there. And I would also congratulate us for this, except for there's a couple things that still bother me about this pitch. Besides the thing that I just said about the pirate lady on the pirate island, the real pirate queen that I'm fancying, fancy, head cannoning in my head. The other thing is we didn't give the kids their due with Andy Circus. Andy Circus playing the secondary villain needs to die some candelabra falls on him, then into a shark's mouth type of ridiculous last Boy Scout death. After killing their freaking parents, they have to use their newbound, newfound pirate skills in some way to get that guy. That guy I needs would, to die I know what would be cool up. is if you, you, you pull the Lion King and somehow they get all the other pirates to like mercilessly just mm -hmm. murk this guy yeah well, yeah i mean it's you, you, actually you know what they could do is like in the course of stealing whatever secrets they need it's like they come up with some evidence that he has been swindling all of his partners or whatever and then it becomes like hey mm -hmm. man we're not going to kill this guy we're just going to you know shine a light on what a jerk he is and mm -hmm. then everybody goes to town on him at, to yes and that, one one conception I think never made it into thing, but it made it into my head canon. So I, I understand what you feel like sometimes, Ron, when you just make up something in your head. Frickin', uh, because basically, the thing is, Andy Serkis's character, I didn't want him to be a pirate pirate, and I didn't want that scene where the merchant ship with the kids, it seemed really repetitive. Like when we listened to the pitch, the word pirate came up like so much. Like if I got punched in the balls every time somebody said pirate, I'd be dead right now listening to that pitch. So I wanted it to be more like he kind of approaches them like a parlay. Like, hey, we're both businessmen. We're having fun. Oh, can I dock on your ship tonight or something? And then he lets a bunch of shadow evil guys in to like kill them and their parents to take their stuff because he's like the smooth criminal pirate. He isn't the one that or, comes you in your ho-ho. Cool. He's, a, he's a criminal, you know? You kind of got, what if he's like Flask from Batman Begins and he's really kind of like a military man that kind of like he's given in to the corruption and he like, he basically plays both sides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's not full pirate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually, I, was, I mean, I was actually thinking that he could, he could foment a mutiny rather than being a guy who like, you know, privateers their ship. What if he's like a steward on the ship? You know, the first time you see him, he's all dressed up. He's got a white handkerchief over his arm and he's like, he's tending to all their needs, but really he's creating a, he's, he's fomenting a mutiny amongst the rest of the staff. Yeah. To take their stuff. Yeah. And then the, the parents kick. Oh man. I, I just feel like that adds that layer of story on there. We spent a lot of time with black Panther, oh, black Panther, black Caesar and his situation and made him a real character. And then we kind of put these pieces around them but they That's never great. really got yeah. to be real. You know I love I mean? that because especially too, that that means those kids like know this guy, like he's been around probably yeah. their whole life and he's probably yeah. resented them for betrayed by the years. mentor. Oh, that's a great trope. That is yes. a great idea. Yes. I would add, it add stakes a lot of, of emotional stakes in that case. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Look at you beautiful bastards. <laughs> I will have to, we'll have to bleep that out. <laughs> Um, so I want to get out here, out of here with one last uh, comment, a couple of comments together. People who really enjoyed the sequels that we pretty much uh, uh, all trashed. Uh, Me, I liked, I liked at least part two. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that was so funny. I, I like two. Out of <laughs> They've made like eight of them. I like two. I liked one. I like one and two. So I like this two is from. <laughs> This is from uh, the librarian of Alexandria and uh, Aaron Netsky. There's two of them. Uh, I, yeah, I seem to be on an island on my own because I enjoyed all the previous Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Granted, I prefer Black Pearl, but in deference to the others, my top list would be one, four, five. So she actually likes the last couple. Um, she likes. Uh, she said, "I love all the myths." That being said, I love your idea. Uh, Aaron Netsky said, I'm probably one of the few people who genuinely loves, to different degrees, the existing Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I said it two different ways so that we can be right one of the times. <laughs> so I hope you won't take it as an insult when I say I would love to see your version and the sequels it would spawn. I think so. Here's my kind of consensus, and this is kind of a weird thing, but I just finished my yearly rewatch of Family Matters, uh, all nine seasons, and <laughs> that's right, I do it every year. And uh, I think the same thing happened to Pirates of the Caribbean that happened to Family Matters, which is 
when you watch that first movie, that's a movie about Will Turner and Jack Sparrow is for better or worse, a cooler version. He's your Urkel. Or if you want, you could say he's your Han Solo. Um, but what they did was when they found out that everyone loved that character, they switched the focus over to Jack Sparrow. And when you think of it in terms of like Star Wars, Han Solo is really cool, but those movies are about Luke and his story. If you switched the focus completely to Han Solo, those movies kind of would fall apart after a while because it's like, okay, he's the cool guy, but what, you know, that's not the driver of the story. So I think with those sequels, the first one is is fantastic. I, I think Dead Man's Chest really great. It sets up this mythology that I'm into. By the third one, literally, they're like, how can we get more Jack Sparrow in this movie to where the movie opens on a desert island where there's like hundreds of different... It's like quite literally like, you want more Jack Sparrow? Here's more Jack Sparrow. To the point where like in the sequels, like it doesn't even quite make sense why we're following Jack anymore he's not the driver of these stories, especially dead man's chat or not dead man's chat. Sorry. Uh, dead men tell no tales, which was the last one that came out in 2017, which was, he's the main character, but he's not the main character at all. Like the story is almost like trying to dance around the fact that it has to include him in someone else's emotional journey. It's like Barbosa's kid story. And I think, that's where those movies got lost was when they were like, Jack Sparrow is the one that we need to cater to instead of having like this really great supporting character. You just can't make Han Solo the main character because it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Han Solo versus Vader in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we saw it in Empire Strikes Back. It lasts three seconds. He just takes the gun out of his hand and it's over, you know? Yeah. And And he only doesn't kill him because he wants something from him. Otherwise, he would have been dead. And also, to be fair, we did see how that fight would go uh, later in the the sequels. (laughs) And the the newest, we saw how that fight would go. But I also think uh, it's Wolverine syndrome, too. There are characters that thrive off of you getting a little tidbit of their history every five, fifth issue, every every movie, let's say. A little tidbit. Oh, you fought in the Peloponnesian War? Oh, you were the captain? Oh, but you know, they find these little things. By the third or fourth movie, what what of value do you not know about Jack Sparrow? And he's no longer Wolverine. He's what Wolverine is now, which I know everything about Wolverine, and most of it sucks now. Back in the days, I didn't know Jack, and he was the most awesome thing I ever saw in my life. That's like uh, American Pie, you know? If you made a, an American Pie 2, and it was... <laughs> and it was this, uh, I think, is hilarious. That's why I'm saying it, by the way. Uh, and you made a whole movie about the Shermanator, which was my favorite part of that movie. No, but Ron, you're... you're I, right. The reason is, you're not wrong. I am. Just the wrong character, because what they did was they they did it with Stifler, yep. which yes, was the right. funny one, and then American yep. Wedding, they give all of it to Stifler, and that movie feels so disjointed from the other two, because what you don't realize is, like, Stifler is funny, but I, I'm emotionally invested in Jim's story, and now I'm at Jim's wedding, but I'm focused on Stifler. And that's exactly what happened with Dead Men Tell yep. No Tales. I'm 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 at this reunion between Barbosa and his kid, but I'm like stuck over here in the corner with Jack Sparrow. That's not emotionally fulfilling. So uh, oh, yeah. you may have been doing a bit again, but you were actually on the money. <laughs> well, do I mean, but the and and I mean you're all you're all absolutely right. And it's and it's so disrespectful on some level. It's like the funeral for Storm's mother. We watch her approach the casket, and the camera just pans over to Wolverine filing his nails with his claws. <laughs> it's just like, stop that. This is erasure. Absolutely. Well, um, you guys, uh, I think we kind of went through everything. We, we, I, this is fun. I, I, I like how when we go back and we can look at some of the stuff we did, we can go, okay, this stuff was great, but there was something more that we could have done. So, that was a fun discussion, and we didn't yell at each other, and I'm I'm proud of us, honestly. Ron, I, I got to say, you were able to wear a pirate costume the whole time and didn't uh, just absolutely tank this one. So yeah. maybe the cosplay works. Yeah, maybe next time I'll dress up as Spider-Man. Okay, now, guys, we all have to do the DJ Qualls. <laughs> DJ Qualls? <laughs> oh, DJ Qualls? <laughs> 
see, you got to get the nuance right. It's not yeah. like you're confused. It's more like, D isn't DJ this a good Walls? idea? DJ Walls? Uh, you guys, uh, thank you guys for coming on and doing this episode. And thank you guys, the Reboot community, for checking us out. On behalf of myself, Ed Greer, producer Bill, and Billy Business, we want to thank you for watching, liking, interacting with us. Keep commenting. The more you comment, the better chance you have of us talking about your comment, um, especially if it's good. If it's lame, maybe we'll make fun of you. You never know. <laughs> Put it on See, there. We, we didn't have enough of that this episode. We needed we need to really bring out some clunker, oh, yeah. stinker comments <laughs> so we could trash some people. That's I mean, I tried with the Dusty Rhodes impression, but that was just a typo. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, baby. There's just so much going on in the YouTube comment section. DJ Qualls, baby. DJ Qualls, DJ Qualls, baby. I'm just going to bring out my Randy Savage impression to go with Dusty Rhodes. That was great. Now that I have to learn. Great. I'm going to have to learn how to do um, some kind of wrestler imitation who should i learn guys who would you uh, like to learn? St stone cold steve austin i see you try to slam two beers would be the funniest thing in the history of the world <laughs> uh i could not do it uh and i would throw up on, on on camera so uh thank you guys uh for talking about us too by the way anybody who's watching this tell your friends tell them how fun we are a subscribe push the bell get notified that we're awesome because we are so come out hang out Thank you guys and uh give each other hugs because you know unless unless you're like leaving your house then don't hug each other yet but like as soon as unless you got the fat okay hug each other i Bye. literally put in the script not to ramble too much at the end <laughs> can i just push okay. stop okay. yeah <laughs> and... bye guys bye bye Quals? Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls among other fan favorite comments. So do yourself a favor, go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting. Reboot it.